Support for The Real Pink Podcast comes from Lilly Oncology. People living with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, deserve more. Lilly Oncology aims to bring more awareness of MBC through more education, more research, and more dedicated solutions to support the women and men living with MBC and the communities that surround them. Learn more at the More for MBC Facebook page. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. A breast cancer diagnosis can bring a wide range of emotions, including shock, fear, sadness, anger, and grief. Metastatic breast cancer can also bring with it a higher level of anxiety and depression. These feelings are all normal. Here today to share the unique perspective that she has as a mental health professional who is undergoing treatment for MBC is Dr. Stephanie Carroll. Dr. Carroll, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much, sir. Well, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, First of all, let's just start out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your breast cancer journey? Sure, thank you. Um, So a little bit of my breast cancer journey started in the beginning of 2013. And this is not your normal journey that many people look at as far as sort of breast cancer exam. I actually was starting to feel physical pain. Uh, So if you can think about back injury um, or just sort of arthritic, uh, arthritic type pain, and that lasted for about six months to the point where I was just in such extreme pain. Uh, the doctor couldn't figure out what was going on, and I was getting sent to different doctors. And they happened to do an uh, MRI of my spine, and it had showed an essence tumors. And so they just figured, uh, we'll do a bone scan. And I actually had a bone scan 18 months prior for a heel spur. And when that bone scan came back, it showed widespread metastasis. And so my first initial pre-diagnosis was advanced stage four cancer. Um, And so now we're filling in the blank of what that type of cancer was. Uh, And so they continue to do some more scans. After uh, finding a very small lump, they did a breast biopsy. And uh, in June of 2013, uh, at the age of 32 years old, I was found to have stage four, advanced stage four breast cancer. Since then, I have undergone chemo, and then I had a double mastectomy in 2014. I was on oral chemo for several years, but I was in a state of what they call sort of pseudo-remission. I paused for about nine months because I was determined to do a marathon, and so we agreed that we were going to pause chemo for nine months. Um, went back on oral chemo uh, as part of my breast cancer journey as as advocacy, and I got a total hysterectomy in December of 2017. In January of 2018, I was re-diagnosed as far as it had come back in my bones. Uh, So for the past two and a half years, I've been on uh, several different chemos. Unfortunately, they have all uh, failed, uh, which just means that my cancer is smart. So now I'm currently back on a a similar chemotherapy that I had uh, seven years ago. That is a little bit about my breast cancer journey. Wow, that is uh, really quite the journey. So let's talk about, I mean, I understand you've got a a mental health background. Talk to us a little bit about that and how you think that's affected your experiences as you've gone through diagnosis and treatment. My mental health background is that I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. 
I received that in 2007. So I have been in and out of the field for quite some time. I actually have a PhD in counseling education. And so now I teach future mental health counselors, school counselors, and marriage and family therapists. So having that head knowledge was both a benefit and a disadvantage. And so in the beginning, it was the idea of fortitude. Uh, so many people, there's that uh, fight like a girl and you got it miss and um, you know, just overcoming. Uh, even my initial diagnosis, I was told that I had eight to 12 months to live. And I said, nope, I have things to do in life. Thank you, but no thank you. You know, I, I have a plan. And, and so all of those were great defense mechanisms. And we use that often in mental health. And uh, so as working with others, I was able to really utilize them in my life. In the beginning, it was really great um, because, you know, I was able to, to take care of myself in that sense. Um, and the benefit of having the mental health background in working with others. Um, and the disadvantage is being a mental health professional. Uh, there are times that many people tend to not want to take care of themselves. Um, that we sort of get involved and get invested in others. And I talk about this often with my students is the importance of self-care. Uh, and so self-care for me looked like I'm just going to work on this one part of my life um, but not realize that it affects all parts of my life. Wow. Wow. Thank Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. So, well, I mean, what are some of the common thoughts and feelings that a breast cancer patient might experience? And do you have any tips for them as they move through that? Um, and so you had mentioned in your introduction that there's just an array of emotions that occur uh, when someone is going through anything that is, you know, a doctor may say as far as you notice a lump, um, that we want to do a specific screening, we want to do more diagnostic testing. Uh, there is the uh, actual words of you have cancer. Uh, and then the uh, option plans. In this past seven years, I've heard so much advancement that occurs, and oftentimes there is more of terminology and jargon uh, that, that can really create sort of emotional distress. And so, you know, finding out that, um, you know, I, I no longer am a part of who I am. Um, and so that's something that uh, I have really noticed about uh, when just talking with people is, is whenever we get a life-altering diagnosis, there's a part of us that um, will forever be changed. I would love to tell people that cancer is not okay. Cancer is not something that anybody wishes on someone. Oftentimes, we hear about what could be potential causes of cancer. People can play the blame game as to, you know, I, well, I could have, should have, would have. But the reality is, is that I've started to equate it with grief, um, that we go through various stages of grief. And so that's the same um, that we can apply with, with cancers, that we lose that healthy part of ourselves and, and, and kind of take on this new identity. Um, and, and sometimes people, it engulfs them um, and it, it just becomes a part of, of who they are. Some people are, are just that this is one chapter in my life. And so if I could tell you know anyone who is, is going through a breast cancer journey that um, it is okay to have you know what we would call polar emotions. And so it's okay to be excited 
and to be frustrated. It is okay to laugh and cry at the same time. It is okay to be angry and be fearful, have a sense of joy all at the same time. Uh, and so, you know, and that's something that oftentimes um, when we get asked, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And, and we want to say everything, but the, sometimes the polite answer is that I'm okay, I'm good. I've learned to say that I'm not okay, but right now I'm stable. You know, that I'm okay, um, but right now I have a lot of emotions. And that is appropriate answers to give. Yeah, and, and I know that when you get a diagnosis and as you're going through treatment, there's, there's ups and downs. And, and there's, Have there been times where you've mentally struggled more than others? Yes. <laughs> I, I go back to the awe and shock of being told that at the age of 32 that I potentially wouldn't see my next birthday. Um, I had just turned 32 a month before. So it wasn't like I had even, you know, lived in, in 32 for a long time. And, you know, there's times in the beginning I compartmentalized. Um, I took that, you know, I was in the middle of getting my PhD, which is, you know, I, I really do say is a huge co accomplishment um, in my life. And, you know, just seeing that I couldn't allow myself to sort of fall apart. Now, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, you know, um, and then I think the strength has come when um, I was just able to push through the first year um, and, and really just be able to get myself to a point of, of what I, again, we would call a, a pseudo remission. Um, we have metastatic breast cancer. It's not as if we can go from stage four to stage two. Um, because you cannot take out all of my bone structure. That would probably not make for a very healthy human being. That had given me a good quality of life. Um, but I also didn't take in the ups and downs that came with that first year. So um, two and a half years ago when I was re-diagnosed, knowing everything that I know, being a, a mental health professional, seeing all of the signs, and everyone else but not seeing the signs in myself, um, I had a pretty much of a falling apart, you know, just, just breaking down and realizing um, that I needed to start doing um, what I was telling others to do. And so it was, you know, every good therapist should have a therapist. I tell others that, but the reality is, is I was probably not doing that as often as I should, realizing that there are parts about me as a woman that I lost in this journey. In the beginning, shaved off my head, and I was like, yay. As you can see um, in our meeting, I have bright pink hair that is short. Uh, and that is because this particular chemotherapy is in the same family of the really strong chemotherapy of your hair's falling out. Uh, there's a psychological, it messes with your, your mind. As much advocacy I had, um, had for both getting the double mastectomy and the total hysterectomy, just as far as wanting to be able to not allow the cancer to overtake, you know, those parts of my body. You know, the reality is, is it had, um, it hadn't been picked up on CT scans or, or PET scans before. Um, so um, when I had the double mastectomy, they had actually found more cancer. Um, it just wasn't, you know, put together in a, in a tumor. And the same thing with my total hysterectomy is that they had actually found it in my ovaries. And 
it's a loss as a woman that those are things that um, I defined myself with, that society defines, you know, as, as being beautiful. Uh, um, and that's difficult as, as, a, as a woman, um, as a professional, you know, in making tough decisions. I had to, to do work and I had to realize that this isn't something that's going to go away tomorrow. You know, I think it's important to talk about this um, because, you know, for family members, for loved ones, for friends, it's really hard to understand or know what someone's going through or, or are going to go through. You know, what advice do you have for caregivers and families in order to be the best support system that they can possibly be? Well, first I have to say, um, just as far as family members and support system, um, I am one lucky, lucky blessed person. Um, I have amazing parents. Um, been there every step of the way. You know, I have some amazing friends and an extended family um, that are that are supportive. But we look at what the word support means, and sometimes we think about you know lending a hand, um, what we can do for people, what what actions we can take. If I can tell family members, if I can tell friends, if I can tell anybody um, that knows someone and, and has that sense of wanting to do, because in, in our nature we want to be able to do for others. And that's the idea of, of being selfless and of giving. Sometimes we have to think about where is that person in life? Um, and, and so I say that in, in the beginning, for some people, it is really looking at, do they have energy to cook? And maybe they say things are okay, but if they know that it's a mother who has children and a husband um, to say that not asking the question, but saying, hey, um, you know, in, in our circle, in our sphere of influence, we've gotten together and we, you know, we just want to bless you. We just want to, to you know, tell you um, that for, for these days or if once a week, we're going to set up this, you know, meal service. Uh, that if it is something with, with child care, especially now in, in today's society um, and in, in people having to go through this or just afterwards that, you know, hey, uh, we want to, you know, to, to see if we can, you know, come together and even if it's social distancing or if it's, why don't we, we pick a day? So sometimes it's the thinking about it and just saying, this is what I want to do versus asking the question. Because so often it's difficult to say what I need because I don't know what I need. And then also to realize that people's emotions, people's thoughts, people's behaviors may not be indicative to um, who they are or what's going on right now because we all deal with this cancer journey in different ways. Um, and so, you know, as family members, friends, that if someone is angry, that it may not be directed towards them. It may be that they're angry about the situation that they're in. And one thing that I can say, especially to friends, because um, I'm, again, so lucky that I have so many great friends and people wanting to reach out, is instead of asking how you're doing or what I can do for you, um, stating, I know that you're going through a lot. And I want you to know that I am here. Um, reaching out and texting them or calling them, um, writing a card and, and taking upon that action. Uh, I have learned uh, through my social media, I have told people that uh, I need you to call me. I need you to text me. I need you to be able to, to, to be that support because 
I'm not good at it, you know, in, in this, especially in this part of my journey right now. And, and so I'll give an example. I have really dry hands and feet because of the chemotherapy that I'm on. Um, and I, you know, have wonderful friends and they got together and, you know, pulled some, some money. And um, one of the friends who lived uh, close by brought off a gift basket and said, you know, we know that you have dry skin. So here's some oncology recommended lotion. They went and researched this themselves. I didn't say anything, but they got me some lotion. They got me some, you know, comfy socks um, so I can put the lotion on the socks and it doesn't ruin the socks. They, and they thought about it. Um, they reached out to some other people they knew that had gone through the cancer journey before. And so they, they took that action. Uh, and so sometimes it is not waiting for the, um, you know, the person to reach out for help, but to reach out to them. Wow. That's fantastic. I love that. It sounds like you've got some great friends. That's, that's really wonderful. So uh, my last question, what do you want our listeners to know about mental health as it relates to breast cancer? Breast cancer is a, is a physical abnormality that happens in our body. We have healthy cells that for one way, shape or another, and again, I'm not a doctor. So I'm, these are the terms I use. Healthy cells turn into unhealthy cells. Um, and those cells multiply and they become tumors. And, and then from, you know, breast cancer, it goes into different parts of the body. The first thing I would say is when a person says they have MBC metastatic breast cancer, um, what that means is that that breast cancer is in other parts of our body. So the fact that the breast cancer is in my bone and in my liver is that it's breast cancer. It's not bone cancer or liver cancer. Um, so I always like to say that because it's physical. Um, but we are more than our physical bodies. Um, we have our, our emotions and we have our mind and we have our soul and spirit. You know, there's so, com so, so much complexity that the world has. And then now all of a sudden, you know, we add in this trauma that occurs in our, our, you know, in a person's life. And it's not just the individual with cancer. It's, it is the family, it's the friends, it's the husbands and wives and, and children and, and extended family. And, Oftentimes, the focus is on the physical because it's tangible. We can see the tumors. We can scan, you know, and see the results. Um, you know, medical doctors, they, they have plans. But sometimes with mental health, we don't see it. You know, and as a society, we don't talk about it um, as much as I know um, that we need to talk about it. And so realizing that, you know, that mental health is real. And really being able to take care of our thoughts and our, our emotions in a healthy, productive way is just as important, um, or I believe more important, because our mind and our body work together. When we get stressed out, negative things happen to our body. Um, but when we get excited, um, or when we have joy, or when we have a good day, uh, our, our body usually responds. For all those listeners know that it's one or the other, um, that it's both, uh, and, and both have to be worked on, and that the mental health often is not immediate. Many times it comes months or years after um, a breast cancer journey, and, um, and so to know um, it is okay to reach out. Um, there are so many people um, that, that want to help and want to be there, but that's the time when we have to reach out. <laughs> Well, uh, Dr. Carroll, this was really great. I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us and uh, being here. 
and uh, hope we can have you back on the show again sometime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Lily Oncology for supporting the Real Pink Podcast. Join Lily Oncology in raising more awareness through education, more research, and more dedicated solutions for metastatic breast cancer. Together, we can do more for MBC. Join the conversation at the More for MBC Facebook page.